As we sit here, the Meistersinger um, at the Met is only half over. It started at, <laughs> started at four in the afternoon, our time, and, and we'll finish at midnight New York time, that is to say 10 o'clock our time, by which I promise we will all have left the United Church. So uh, this is not to be a full version of Meistersinger. That's not what we're doing. My thought was that since the broadcast next Saturday uh, may be for some of you the first time you're hearing Die Meistersinger, even if it's the second or third or fifth, you will enjoy it more if the melodies which come over and over are somewhat familiar to you. And the only way to really make them familiar, of course, is to do them yourselves. Uh, all of us have had the experience of listening to an expert about something, whether it's music or, or nuclear physics, and thinking, I can't possibly enter into that world. So this evening we're all going to enter into that world, and you will sit there humming along with the Met broadcast, feeling like you're in the know, and it'll be great. Okay. <laughs> So I, just a few words about Wagner uh, in general. Um, I'm sure you all are aware that there are 10 Wagner operas that Bayreuth considers part of Wagner's canon, that there are three early operas that, uh, while for an ordinary person we would consider great masterworks, for Wagner they weren't quite up to the level. So uh, the Bayreuth family, uh, and it is Wagner's family who you know, descended down uh, more about that later. The, um, the family decided that Dutchman was the first worthwhile opera that, that Wagner wrote. Okay. Uh, Wagner had an enormous agenda when he set about writing opera. He didn't just want to entertain people. He wanted to create a new art form. He wanted to create a new way in which audiences went to opera and experienced opera. He wanted to create, essentially, a, a different kind of orchestra, have the orchestra placed differently. In other words, he had to build his own theater. He really had to recreate the way the public thought about opera. And he himself said, I no longer write opera. I write music drama. And it was a fair thing for him to say because he fused music and words in a way that other composers had not. So Wagner's music and Wagner's words are inseparable. And as you know, Wagner wrote the words for all of his own operas. This opera, Die Meistersinger von Nuremberg, is different from the others because it's a comedy. It's the only Wagner opera that takes place in a real time and place. It's not mythical or legendary. It's not about gods. There's no supernatural in it. It's a human opera and yet it would be wrong to say it's just a comedy. It's not the Barber of Seville. <laughs> because Wagner, as I say, always has an agenda. And in this opera, part of the story is what is art, what is great art, and is there any difference between great art and Richard Wagner's art? The first question and second question are difficult. The third one is simple. By the end of the opera, you know that we have proved that Wagner's art is great. <laughs> and while Wagner is truly one of the greatest composers and artists that has ever lived, we have to admit right up front, he was certainly uh, a, a megalomaniac and a narcissist. So this does play into what he did throughout his career. Wagner was a shameless user of other people. 
but he also felt that with his genius that was something that he was entitled to. And uh, there's, there's a, a film actually about Wagner that Richard Burton starred in. Richard Burton played the role of Wagner and at one point Hans von Bülow, who has just realized that his three children by his wife Cosima Liszt are in fact Wagner's children, <laughs> which he might have guessed when she chose to name them, uh, let's see, Siegfried, Eva, <laughs> and Isolde. <laughs> the, the von Bülow character turns to Richard Burton and says, how can you treat one of your friends like this? And Richard Burton turns to him as Wagner and says, my dear fellow, if you can't expect this from your friends, who can you expect it from? <laughs> so this really was Wagner's attitude. But this piece is so magnificent that by the end, you've, <laughs> by the end, you've forgotten everything else. <laughs> but the, the piece is really great. All right, so what I want to do is start in, now Wagner wrote the overture to this years before he finished the opera. So unlike Mozart, who could write the overture you know, the night before the premiere and probably uh, was drawing largely on what he'd composed already in his head but not written down, Wagner started sketching this piece in 1845 and it didn't appear until 1868, 23 years later. So there was a long exile when Wagner was not allowed to be in Germany in the meantime. However, the idea was not a musical idea. It was that he had read uh, about the master singers from the middle of the 1500s and how these were simply the craftsmen of the town who formed a guild and set up a very elaborate system of membership and advancement within their master singers guild. The key was that if you were um, a master cobbler or tinsmith or tailor or uh, pewter worker that you could enroll in the Meister Singers but you could only become a Master Singer once the group heard you perform for them a song which conformed to very strict rules and the rules governed not only the music but the poetry. So Wagner is drawn to this when he reads about it because he too wanted to be someone who not only composed the music but wrote the poetic text. The greatest and best known master singer of all in Nuremberg was Hans Sachs. So this was a real character who was born in 1494 and lived to be 82 years old. He not only elevated the songs, but he introduced a very radical concept, which was the public should also be allowed to listen to the master's songs and even to express their opinions about them. So this was the 1500s. This was actually a pretty uh, revolutionary idea. And Hans Sachs becomes the hero of Wagner's opera. Okay. We go to the beginning and this overture immediately plays some of the leitmotifs, the themes that you're going to hear through the opera. So let's learn to sing them together right away. Right? <laughs> now you all have heard me sing, so the bar is really low <laughs> and I don't want anybody to hold back. I have only marked the most important parts. 
So this leitmotif, this theme, is the master singers themselves. If you know it already, go ahead and sing, but I'm going to play it a couple times so everybody gets the idea. I see you all know this already. <laughs> we'll do it again. Here we go. Amazing. All right. So, what are the rest of the people of the Lenzik going to do when they hear this happening? That's, that's all I want to know. Um, wonderful. This is a story of Walter von Stolzing, a knight from Franconia who comes to Nuremberg. He has been there a day. He's fallen in love. <laughs> it's an opera, right? Uh, <laughs> There's, there's a beautiful young woman named Ava. He has seen Ava, and uh, he's about to see her for the second time. But the theme that you're going to hear next is Walter's longing for Ava. Let's see. Let's find it in a key that's easier for us to sing it. Uh, here we go. So the part that keeps coming again and again is okay. That one is eluding you more than the, uh, the, the master singer's theme. Let's all just do. Here we go. There we go. Now listen, these Wagner leitmotifs come in different keys and they change where they are in the scale, but they're the same pattern of intervals over and over. And that's what is going to make this Master Singer HD broadcast you hear so much more enjoyable because I promise you, knowing 10 tunes, you will know more than half of the score. So uh, those long periods that seem like they're never going to end suddenly go by very quickly. <laughs> All right, one more time. Walter's longing. Everybody, Walter's longing.
Now, the next theme is related to King David. The master singers, as their emblem, have David playing the harp. David was not only a great warrior, he was also a poet and a musician. So they thought he was a good emblem. And the King David theme something about love and romance, right? We just went from King David to the whole point of this opera, which is, is Walter going to be able to wind up with his girl, Ava? The motif of Walter's longing is... So this chromatic movement like Tristan, but a happy Tristan. Uh, <laughs> this opera was written just after Tristan and Isolde, and uh, there are a lot, of, a lot of similarities harmonically, but not story-wise. This is the motif of love. Let's all sing that, that's worth remembering. And da-da-da-da. You've obviously heard Meister Singer once or twice. It's great. All right, everybody, the motif of love. Now, all of the craftsmen, in addition to having the real job, their day jobs, where they make shoes or craft, uh, you know, beer steins or whatever they do, have apprentices. And the apprentice not only learns the craft of, say, cobbling shoes, but they also apprentice as a master singer so that after many years, when they learn all the rules, they too, perhaps, can become master singers themselves. Now, you remember the big master singers, the real master singers, have this. So, the little master singers, the, the would-be master singers, so, those are the apprentices. All right? When you hear the master singer tune played half tempo on little bouncy woodwinds, you'll know that's the apprentices. All right. Now, we go into church, and Wagner uh, writes a pastiche of Luther and chorale. Uh, 
you know, um, it's a couple decades after, after Martin Luther, so suddenly we're not Catholic anymore. And <laughs> Really, we should take the time to learn this in four-part harmony, but we won't. We won't. So we're just going to learn the soprano line in any octave you want to sing it in. And if you want a text, it's da zu dir der Heiland kam, but la 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 is fine. One more time, please. La la. One more time. And excellent. Now, in between the strophes of this uh, chorale, we hear the theme of which is what? Walter's longing. So Walter is in church not paying attention at all <laughs> because he sees Ava and Ava by this time has spotted him. So the two of them are the music in between all the good chorale music. <laughs> As soon as you know what these motifs are, right, Wagner tells you everything, everything you want to know. So through this chorale, we hear Walter and Ava stealing these secret glances at each other while everyone else in the congregation is singing the chorale. And uh, they all go out of church, and Walter and Ava and Ava's lady-in-waiting Magdalena stay behind. Uh, we hear... Uh, an extended version of Walter's longing. But you see how Wagner does this? It's like the first great movie score. He, he associates everything with a tune, and then when you hear that tune, you know exactly what's being talked about. Now, David is Magdalena's boyfriend, and uh, Magdalena works for Ava's family. Ava's father is a master singer named Veit Pogna. And Pogna is one of the um, master singers, and Hans Zachs is one of the master singers. Ava, I'm just going to go over this a couple of times so everybody's. Ava is Pogner's daughter, and he wants her to get married. Uh, Hans Zachs, the great master singer, uh, is a cobbler. And he has an apprentice named David, David. David is the boyfriend also of Magdalena, who waits on Ava. That's about all you need to know for the whole six hours. So just hang on to that, and you're good. David, because he's not um, a, a character with a lot of gravity, has a music which is more lighthearted. Uh, in a way, Walter and David are like Tamino and Papageno. Uh, you know, most, the only difference between this and the magic flute is about this many. <laughs> so 
David comes in and immediately the music tells us he's a character we can like. We don't need to worry about him. He's a, a good-natured guy. So he's, he's just uh, always bouncy and always in a good mood, our David. Can everybody do that? Ready, go. That's right. And Magdalena is also a very kind soul, and the two of them are a perfect match. So David, uh, because he's studying master singing, um, is, is very helpful for Hans Sachs. If Hans Sachs says, you have to set up the, the ring for the next uh, meeting or for the next contest, <laughs> David is always the busy guy who's, who's taking care of all these things. But now a whole new wrinkle in the plot emerges. Walter catches Ava alone and says, are you married? Are you free? Are you available? And she's trying to explain, but there's no simple answer because the fact is her father has arranged for a, f a contest on the following day, a song contest. Now the following day is Midsummer's Day, right? Johannes Tag. And on Johannes Tag, the master singers are going to hear various contestants sing, and whoever sings the best song, if Ava will have them, marries Ava. So her father has not set it up so that she has to marry, but she does have to marry a master singer. <laughs> now, Walter, uh, although we quickly established that he has a great voice, doesn't know anything about master singing and doesn't really want to until he learns that he has to sing the winning master song in order to marry Ava. So Magdalena says, David, you know all about this stuff. You stay here with Walter and tell him everything so that by the end of the afternoon, he's prepared to be a master singer. <laughs> and if you do this, I'll give you something. And so David gives it his best. And he tries to bring Walter through what's taken him years to learn in a matter of 15 minutes. And uh, Walter is, is torn because he's very confused by these hundreds of rules and modes and uh, this kind of trill is the nightingale and this is the thrush and this is the lark. And uh, he's just about to give up, but then he remembers that the prize is Ava, whom he loves so he's going to try. He's going to try his hand at creating a master song. But these master songs are very complex affairs. Uh, they're not like folk songs. They have hundreds of rules which must be followed. And of course, Wagner is letting us know that as a composer, he entered a world where to be accepted and to be famous one had to follow so many rules, and perhaps a great genius like Walter or like Wagner could actually discover a whole new path that the world would embrace. Okay, that's why I say this is a thinly veiled autobiography with really good music. But that is really what's going on here. All right. Uh, just as an example of how much, once you know a motif, uh, you can count on hearing it again and again. Uh, Magdalena is telling David um, what he must do, and she's singing. That's how we know she's talking to David, right? And not somebody else. Um, 
and then as soon as Walter begins to sing. the chromatic Walter's longing. Okay. I'm going to have to skip parts of the story because as you know, otherwise we'd be here till one in the morning. <laughs> ah. Hans Sachs gathers the master singers and puts forth his very radical idea. When we have the contest tomorrow, why don't we ask the public to help us judge this. Now, the reaction is absolute horror. Uh, how could they possibly know our very arcane rules? Uh, after all, we've studied for years to become a master singer. And Hans Sachs, now being Wagner's mouthpiece, says, but if something is truly great and speaks to the heart, will not every sensitive person be able to perceive this and appreciate it? And ultimately, he persuades the masters that while they have to approve of the song, that the public will also be given a voice. So this historical event that Hans Sachs uh, actually did this to transform the way uh, private music became more public music in the mid-1500s is also in Act One of, of Die Meistersinger. Now, uh, the, rules, the rules demand that one person is appointed to be the marker. The marker has a blackboard and makes a tally mark every time the singer ventures away from the prescribed rules of master song. And if you have more than seven marks against you, your song cannot be considered. A master song has a first strophe, it has a rhyme, it has a second strophe which is very similar to the first strophe, has no rhymes in common with the first strophe, and then something called an opgesang, an after song, which has melodic material that's from the first two but has to be significantly different, and this is all part of what you have to do. If you get seven marks against you, you're out. All right. So the marker for this particular time is Beckmesser. Beckmesser is the town uh, scribe, a very important job and function at that time. So uh, Beckmesser is the model of a music critic. Uh, Wagner was harshly treated by music critics in his time. And so he creates this character, Sixtus Beckmesser, who is essentially um, a caricature of a person who knows all the rules but doesn't know what's really beautiful. Uh, Wagner. <laughs> so, so in this case, uh, Beckmesser is painted as a very intelligent uh, and very uh, capable master singer, but one who cannot get away from the rules that have governed the perfect master song for decades. However, there is a conflict of interest. Beckmesser, who is, say, 30 or 40 years older than Walter, also wants to sing a song for the hand of Eva on Johannistag. So he is not really an objective judge about anybody else's singing. 
because he wants his own song to be the winner. Okay. Now, Walter has uh, another leitmotif that comes later that we better know. Let's just get this one. All right, everybody, please. Now, just listen. If you were only listening to the orchestra, you will hear that a dozen times in different keys and different... You see what I'm saying? If you know the germ, then the much more extended musical form that Wagner creates makes all kinds of sense because the germ is being uh, repeated but in different keys and sometimes slightly varied rhythms. So Walter um, says he wants to be one of the contestants and the master singers say, what school did you go to? Where did you learn uh, master singing? Now, of course, he didn't. So he says, I learned it from nature. I learned it from the birds. Uh, and, and he sings this. I'm still and heard in winter's Zeit, van Burg und Hof mir eingeschneit. Let's all do that. On la la la. I'm still and heard in winter's Zeit, Van Burg und Hof mir No, this is not something that he's competing with. He's just answering a question. And yet, his answer is coming in the form of a master song. So Wagner is telling us, Walter intuitively is a master already. He knows this without having to be taught it in an academic way. All right, one more time, everybody. Am stillen Herd in Winterzeit, Van Burg und Hof mir eingeschneit. So all of the masters are rather impressed, except for one, and you can guess who that is. Beckmesser says, oh, you're learning from birds. How quaint, you know? So, so Walter uh, has already been somewhat divisive. Uh, in that the uh, masters can tell he has some skill, but he is not able to follow all the rules. So if you were at the dinner, and I know that was more than half of you, so I won't repeat that. Uh, another one of the masters, Kotna, sings a song about the rules and explains exactly what the song must be. And then Walter tries to sing a master song. But from the background, we hear Beckmesser's chalk screeching against the board over and over and over. And he bursts out in between the verses and says, I don't even see why we have to listen to this. He's already committed so many faults that he can't possibly be considered. And Hans Sach says, my friend, I think that perhaps you are not able to view this as clearly as you often do because of the circumstances. So 
Walter finishes his song, the masters are all singing and we've got 12 part harmony going on on stage because these master singers really know how to do that. You know, they're very skilled. And uh, act one ends with uncertainty if Walter is ever going to be able to win Ava because there is only one way he's going to do it and that way seems to be barred to him at the moment. Act two opens, it's already um, Johannes Tak and everybody is singing, um, sorry, it's not, it's the day before. But they're singing about uh, Midsummer's Day, and it's Midsummer's Eve. Johannes Tag, Johannes Tag, Blumen und Bänder, so viel man mag. Should we try that? Johannes Tag, Johannes Tag, Blumen und Bänder, so viel man mag. The whole feeling of this German uh, lilting dancing music pervades the Meistersinger, that every time we have a group of people, they're singing in harmony and their, their music um, in this opera is, is all about their joy. Really the, the chorale at the beginning of the opera and one chorale in the last act are the only things that aren't uh, jolly music and even those are essentially joyful music. So Wagner chooses to paint a very light picture. You know, the sun is out for this, this whole opera. Um, oh, and another hero of the opera is the city of Nuremberg itself. Nuremberg, a small town, a sort of a 1550s Santa Fe, where um, <laughs> their primary interests are culture and finding the best way for humans to live, uh, both individually and together, and they all go to bed by 10 o'clock, as you will see <laughs> later in this act. So um, Nuremberg gets its own leitmotif in this opera, and you'll hear that throughout. Okay, everybody. Ah, da da, ba ba, ba ba, ba ba, it goes on time. Ba da, ba ba, ba ba, ba ba, ba ba, ba ba. It starts to have variations on it, but whenever you hear the yum, pa pum, pa pum, that's that's Nuremberg. That's a, a heroic version of what Wagner found so culturally and artistically rewarding about this town and its its history. So um, Ava in act two is talking to her father who's beginning to wonder if he did the right thing because he really does want his daughter to be happy. And she, it being 1550 something, says uh, it's my duty to be happy and do whatever you want. And uh, we, we, throughout the opera, see that Ava always says the right thing, but she's going to get exactly what she wants. She's, <laughs> she's a very smart, smart young woman. So Hans Zachs uh, is a cobbler. I think I said that. And there's a, there's a motif of shoemaking. This is the Hans Sachs. That might be hard to sing. This part's not hard to sing. Let's try this. Excellent. All right. So Hans Sachs 
is, of course, very busy right now. Everybody needs a new pair of shoes, or at least to have their shoes repaired, before the annual celebrations of Midsummer's Day. So Ava pops in to visit him and says, how did uh, the young knight do at the song test, you know, in the little trial you had for him? And he says, oh, not so well, not so well at all. And um, Ava has two competing thoughts. One is, can Hans Sachs bring Walter to the point of being a capable master singer by tomorrow? Or if not, can Hans Sachs, who is a widower, maybe sing a song so that at least Ava will get to marry Hans Sachs instead of Beckmesser, whom she really doesn't want to wind up with. And Hans Sachs is very touched by this. He's known Ava since she was born, and he clearly loves her, but uh, he decides that it would be more noble to sacrifice having Ava to himself and to pass her along to Walter. Not only because Walter is the right age, but because artistically, Walter represents the new. And Hans Sachs is, of course, Wagner's spokesperson and says, you need to be with someone who is appropriate for you. It is the new that belongs with the new and the young with the young. So uh, Hans Sachs agrees that he will, in some way, help Walter, but how that's going to happen uh, remains to be seen. All right, so, meanwhile, Beckmesser has written a little serenade, and he wants to um, serenade Ava under her window as a sort of uh, prelude to the next day's events. And so uh, Ava, who doesn't want to be serenaded by Beckmesser, gets Magdalena, remember her maid, to dress up as Ava. And Magdalena hangs out at the window while Ava slips out looking for Walter. <laughs> Did everybody follow that? Yeah. Okay. So Ava in the street indeed finds Walter. Not hard because of the leitmotif she hears. <laughs> and meanwhile, Beckmesser stands under the window of the woman he assumes to be Ava, but is really Magdalena, and plays his lute. Tuned a little like a guitar, as you'll notice. So he sings his song. Let's see if I can find his song. And uh, first he says to Hans Sachs, um, I need to be able to serenade Ava with music that is appropriate to uh, the Midsummer's Day contest. And Hans Sachs says, well, I have to get these shoes finished for you, so I have an idea. You sing your song, and every time you make a mistake, I'll be the marker, and I'll hit the sole of the shoe with my hammer. So instead of chalk on a board, you'll be able to know how well you're doing with your song. And so Sachs is singing this shoemaker cobbler song, which you sang before, and you can sing again. <laughs> And then, there's a lot of pages, what can I say? Here's Beckmesser's, here's Beckmesser's serenade. Lots of fourths. Mm -hmm. 
den Tag sah ich erscheinen, den mir wohl gefallen tut. Should we try that? Den Tag seh ich erscheinen, der mir wohl gefallen tut. So, the tune is fine, but what you might not know, if you don't know German, is that Beckmesser is putting the syllables that are strong on the weak beats. And so Zachs immediately corrects him with a blow of his uh, hammer on the sole of a shoe because part of the master rules are that you have to put stressed syllables on um, stressed notes. Some of you are looking at me with some bafflement. Um, so if I went, take me out to the ball game, and I displaced the, the syllables by one, I'd get me out to the ball game, take me out to the... It doesn't sound good, right? Because <laughs> syllables like two or the are getting stressed, and syllables like take and ball game that should get stressed aren't. So this is the fault in Beckmesser's serenade. So when he's singing this, more and more Hans Sachs is pounding on the soles of the shoes. Den Tag seh ich erscheinen, der mir wohl gefallen tut. See, you didn't even need to know that leitmotif to know that that meant you made a mistake, right? So, in fact, Beckmesser makes so many mistakes that Sachs is able to finish the pair of shoes. And Meanwhile, David thinks that um, Magdalena is cheating around behind his back because she, he, he figures out that, that Magdalena is up in the window and he thinks that Beckmesser is serenading Magdalena. And uh, so a huge riot erupts uh, in the street. And um, the only thing that, that keeps the peace in Nuremberg uh, is the night watchman who had come around at 10 before any of this begun and said, it's 10 o'clock, good ladies and gentlemen, time for everyone to go to bed, right? That's why I say it's just like Santa Fe. So <laughs> then there's this, this huge brawl and at the end of the brawl, um, the night watchman comes around one more time to say, it's the middle of the night, it's 11 o'clock. All decent human beings should be behind closed doors and closed windows. And, uh, and they do. So um, the night watchman is able to, to bring peace. And the third and final act of uh, Meistersinger is the largest, the longest act. And it starts with a theme. It's a theme that really is the Schopenhauer theme. Okay, I told you Wagner always had an agenda, and the, the agenda in Act 3 is to examine human folly and say that uh, whatever people do to try to get what they want for themselves winds up bringing them more pain. So why do they go to that trouble? Uh, the, the German word for folly is Wahn, and um, Hans Sachs is going to sing all about Wahn later in this act. But first, we're going to hear the theme played in the orchestra. And um, 
Let's see, you can probably tell me who's coming in to see Hans Sachs. <laughs> you are so apt, that's, that's great. So David and Sachs are discussing the day's events and um, David goes off to set everything else up. And uh, again, no, we hear the orchestra. The theme of Vaughn, the theme of folly, the theme of Schopenhauer saying, a person can try to get what they want, but they can't try to want what they want. They're, they're hardwired to want what they want and they can't change themselves and that's why people are unhappy. Now, Schopenhauer actually knew Wagner's work and loved his poetry but didn't care for his music, which I think is very funny. Uh, at the end of Die Valkyrie, Act One, um, you know, Schopenhauer was quite a misogynist. And uh, the end of Valkyrie Act One is Sigmund and Sieglinde um, just about to make love and their brother and sister. And Wagner writes, the curtain falls quickly. And Schopenhauer in his copy wrote, not quickly enough. <laughs> so, so Schopenhauer had, had this idea that, uh, that it, people are driven by desires and he, he tried to be above those desires. But Wagner certainly was not. Uh, but he was very drawn to Schopenhauer's philosophy. And uh, Tristan and Isolde, as I say, written about the same time, also has lots of Schopenhauer in it. Now, I'm just suddenly having the thought, it might be a good time to take a break and then do act three uh, after we have some refreshments. So uh, let's take 15 or so. Does Eva have a light? We haven't heard any Eva light music. Oh, but you will. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a very good question. So after break, we'll start with Eva's light motif. <laughs> This is like a real Wagner opera. I lost a few people at intermission. <laughs> right now, the Met is in act three, but in about half an hour, we're gonna pass where they are, even though they started three and a half hours earlier. So, uh, I told you Zachs is alone and he's ruminating on human folly and how people cannot seem to prevent causing themselves pain. And as if on cue, Walter comes in and says, I have a problem. <laughs> so Hans Sachs says, don't you want to learn to be a master singer? And Walter says, no, I just want to rely on my own instincts. And at this point, Hans Sachs becomes Richard Wagner. And he says, young man, learn how to blend all of the greatness of the centuries that have come before you with your own individual voice. And that is what makes a great artist. What are the three words? <laughs> like Richard Wagner. Okay. <laughs> so, because Wagner was very much uh, a, a great student of everything that came before, of, of Mozart and of Beethoven, and uh, you know, his early, really early pieces sound like bel canto. But then he did find his own voice and an extraordinary voice uh, that built on all those traditions. So he says to Walter, what do you think? And Walter says, well, I had a dream last night. And Hans Sachs says, sing your dream. So Walter uh, sings something which later on is going to become the song that he sings for everybody. But at this point, when he's just chatting with Sachs, 
it hasn't reached its full form. And it sounds like this. Morgenlich leuchtend im rosigen Schein Von Blüt und Duft geschwellt die Luft Voll aller Wannen, nie ersahnen Ein Garten lud mich ein, Gast ihm zu sein So it just ends like that, all right? Now you all want to give that a whirl, just la la la. <laughs> If that ending seems unwagnerian to you, it's because Walter hasn't yet matured into the full artist that he will in the next 45 minutes. <laughs> so, why does that not sound like Wagner? Because it ends on a cadence. What Wagner learned to do was to never let a beautiful melody end on a cadence so that it continued and continued. And the, the way that he crafted these gigantic operas was by avoiding cadences that gave the ear a signal, ah, we've come to a resting place. <laughs> All right, so now you've probably heard the overture to Tristan and Isolde, right? And you know this chord is sometimes called the Tristan chord. Well, so many Tristan chords happen in De Meisterzinger because the way Walter later learns to sing this song, it ends, As we hear this, we know it isn't over yet. Uh, now, if, if, if the overture to Tristan and Isolde were half a step higher, that is, in fact, exactly this chord. Which is what we'll hear later on. But meanwhile, Walter is just learning to be a master singer. And he creates another verse that goes like this. Much of it is the same, so please sing along. Wadig entragend den seligen Raum, bot golder Frucht, heilsaft gewacht, mit holdem prangendem Verlangen, ein dufter Zweigesaum, herrlich ein Baum. Again, at the end, it doesn't sound like Wagner to you, does it? But it's ended in a different key than the first verse. And Hans Sach says, what are you doing, Walter? Master songs end their verses in the same key. And Walter says, now why is that rule so fixed? And Hans Sach says, you know, go ahead and end in a different key. It's all right. So Hans Sach gives Walter permission to develop his artistic voice, if you will. And of course, the scene is very compressed. Normally, it takes you know, years instead of minutes. But Walter uh, is the operatic hero of our dreams and he quickly figures out uh, everything about how to write a master song. So anyway, Walter goes away. Hans Sachs writes down the song for him, all the words of the song, and uh, also goes away. And who should come in but Beckmesser, who is looking for his shoes? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> But he sees something he's not expecting to see. He sees a prize song 
in Hans Sachs's handwriting. And he thinks, that Sachs is trying to win Ava for himself. <laughs> so he snitches the song. He's going out, he bumps into Sachs. He's very awkward because he's just been caught in the act of stealing this song. And he and Hans Sachs get into a long conversation and finally he says, Sachs, you swindler, you are trying to win the hand of Ava Pogner. And Sachs says, I promise you, I am not going to try to win Ava's hand. And Beckmesser says, isn't this your handwriting? And Sachs says, yes, I wrote that down, but you have my word, I am not going to vie with you as a suitor for young Miss Pogner. So Beckmesser begins to get excited and he says, well, can I sing this song? And Hans Sachs says, be my guest. But I warn you, it's not easy to sing. And Beckmesser says, now listen, there are a lot of things you could say about me, but I am the master of cadences and fourths and, um, what does he say, cadenzas and trills. You know this opera, that's good. Sachs says, okay, you take it. And uh, Beckmesser says, okay, and you promise you're not going to sing it. And Sachs says, I promise, I'm not going to sing. <laughs> so out goes Beckmesser on a cloud, confident that he is going to win Ava. And uh, at this point, Ava and David and Walter, who's now written more of the song, come back and they sing a beautiful quintet, which I'm just going to play a little bit for you because uh, then you can sing it and when it comes back later, you'll recognize it. Gradually, all five voices join. Wagner didn't write lots of ensembles, uh, but when he did, he did it extraordinarily beautifully. So this quintet that comes in the middle of Act Three is one of the few examples. And uh, now let's all sing. that again. All right, everybody gathers together and the crowd is anxious to hear the songs and they're especially excited because they are aware that this is the first time that they as the public 
are going to have a vote, have a voice in whose master song is the greatest. So Beckmesser has his lute and he sings the song that he thinks Zox himself has written, but of course Zox has just taken down dictation from Walter. And uh, the tune is somewhat similar to his other song. Beckmesser has a very specific style in which he writes music. But because he doesn't understand the song and didn't have Walter's dream, he sings nonsense words that are very close to the words of Walter's songs, but mean nothing. So when, when uh, Walter sings, Morgenlich leuchten im rosigen Schein, he's talking about the rosy dawn coming up in the morning. And Beckmesser's words say, they see me all in a vision of shining pink. <laughs> so I have to tell you that Wagner ordered lots of very expensive silk pink underwear from France. And um, I think that he, he put this in because he knew that uh, to some of his friends this seemed absurd. But he had a skin condition and he didn't like anything but silk on his body. So he had all this pink underwear. There's a whole book about it. If, if you Google Wagner pink underwear, you'll read scholarly articles about it, I promise you. So anyway, to Wagner, this is very funny. And, and so he has Beckmesser singing this, this nonsense version of Walter's song. And at first the crowd is just puzzled, and then they just start laughing at Beckmesser. And ultimately Beckmesser is laughed off the stage. And he says to the crowd at large, it's Sox's stupid song anyway. <laughs> and Sox says, no, actually it's not my song. But there is somebody who can sing this same song, and I promise you will all love it. So Walter gets up and he sings the prize song. Now I have a really special treat in store for you tonight because from New York, not at the Met tonight where they're still, they haven't even gotten to the prize song yet at the Met, <laughs> Nicholas Simpson, who is such a fantastic singer. So this is what Walter really sings. part harmony, how great they think their song is.
Nicholas is with us tonight and not singing at the Met. I am sure that before too long we'll be able to say when we hear Nicholas singing at the Met that we heard him here. So I, I lied to you. The last chord is not a big C major chord. I just did that so we could all clap and feel like it was over. Of course it doesn't do that. Of course it goes. And then the crowd sings about how marvelous it is. And then Ava, who proves herself to be the ideal wife in six bars, sings something even more beautiful than the whole prize song in about 15 seconds at the end, just to say, oh, that was nothing. So, so hold zuber. 
You know where it's not going to go, right? Yes. It's not going to go there. It's going to go. <laughs> and then everybody sings a chorus in praise of Hans Sachs because Zachs has had the wisdom to let the audience be a participant in the artistic development of the Masters Guild, and Zachs has nurtured this great artistic genius uh, in 45 minutes, like we saw, from writing a good song to writing a great master song that simultaneously follows the master rules, the spirit of the master rules, but introduces a whole new world of art, three words, um, like Richard Wagner. So, this is the, the way that the Master Singer's opera ends. And then, um, do you all know what counterpoint is? When I say counterpoint, when simultaneously different melodies can exist over the same harmonic architecture, but be completely different melodies. So three melodies that we've learned happen at the same time. And um, you can choose whichever one you want. You have the uh, King David. double speed, and you have the theme of the Master Singers, and you have the prize song. Uh, and they all work at the same time, so I can't possibly make that happen, uh, but you can all sing whichever one you want and we'll see what we get, okay? But if you're doing the King David motif, do it double ten. Okay, here we go, ready, and... that, right? You get the idea. Uh, I, can't, I can't make it all happen, but if you go uh, to the HD broadcast and hear the 100-piece orchestra, uh, you'll get all of these themes at once. Now, you have to say, Beckmesser has a disadvantage because Beckmesser gets up to sing his song, and he has his lute, right? And as soon as Walter starts to sing, the 100-piece orchestra is miraculously <laughs> there. So it's kind of weighted. <laughs> We can't sing along with Nicholas because it's just too magnificent. What we have is a very special treat. You know, the Wagner Society, Yoko Arthur's Wagner Society, which I think many of you belong to, um, 
ran a contest, very much in the spirit of Wagner, to create new words. Wagner always seeking for the new. And uh, at a dinner at Quail Run just before this, we celebrated the winner of this contest, uh, Mark Chadwick, who wrote some fantastic words. Would you stand up for a moment so we can just <laughs> applaud you? But there were other uh, submissions that, that I thought were wonderful too. And so uh, this is uh, one of them that we can all sing together um, to the tune of the prize song. And that way, every one of us can have the opportunity to sing the prize song tonight. Will you pass those out down there? That'd be awesome. Oh, I need one. More? Oh, no, not here. So, obviously this is written by a Wagner lover. So here, here is how this works. Out in this desert, Wagner opera is not sung. The pit's too small, the work's unknown. Tourists don't buy to sit so long. They want to hear old Mimi die or see old Carmen dance again. We have to fly away to hear the sweeter music of old Wagner. The movies are not the real thing. We want to hear it sung out strong. Oh, let us hear Wagner some better song. How good I pour it, Let's do it again, one more time, okay? One more time, I think you've all got it now. Here we go. Out in this desert, Wagner opera is not sung. The pit's too small, the work's unknown. Tourists don't like to sit so long. They want to hear old Mimi die, or see old the author is willing to disclose his or her identity. Yes. Author. <laughs> but I think they're in this room. <laughs> Tom, we were saying author.
Does anybody have anything they would like to share or say about the Meister Singer? We beat the Met. It's not 10 o'clock yet, is it? They're still going. Okay. Thank you all so much, and I hope I'll see you Christmas Eve. Thank you. Thank you.